Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Hey! This is double date, which means we're still talking about blood relatives. We're probably going to keep doing blood relatives until we save Chad, which might be never. Oh, my gosh. Or until we just literally run out. We're going to run out. Unless they keep making new episodes. I don't think they are. I think it's done. But maybe this will spurn them on. No. Renewed interest. Yeah, that's a thing. I've heard of that being a thing. Tens of listeners want a seventh season. <laughs> a dozen listeners. A baker's dozen are interested in more Blood Relatives episodes. And they promise to sit down and watch and focus, unlike doing the laundry and cooking dinner the way most people watch ID. Which is no offense to ID, it's just, it's it's a great background channel. No, it absolutely is. I've painted, like, I got this new glitter. I've been going to town with it running in the background. Oh, great. So, this is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. So, there's going to be some sex. So, how, I'm just, I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Sex, Lies, and Videotape being that you have used that title? I'm... Just a, like a few times. I feel seen. <laughs> okay, good. You do? Good. And that other people have also seen that movie. I don't even know if I've seen that movie. I just like using that title a lot. It's just, it is anytime there's videotape, it's a title that you can use. It's a perfect title. Yeah, I think we've even had Sex, Lies, and Audio Tape. Yeah, but not Sex, this is the, this is your title. Yeah, it's my title. Okay, it is season six, episode eight. And Brenda Strong tells us everyone knows the suburbs can feel a little claustrophobic, but this is extreme. Extreme! Extreme! We are in Florida, the land of the extreme. And we see a woman trapped in what appears to be a freezer truck mm. with dead animals and ice hanging all over. And turns out her husband is a meat delivery truck driver, and she was sneaking in to put a love note there. Because why wouldn't you put a love note in the back of the freezer truck with all the bloody dead animals and not in the cab of the truck? Were there bloody dead animals back there or was it like packaged meat? No. Hanging dead animals. And now her love note is covered in blood because something was a dripping back there. Put your love notes in the cab. Also, it was a good fake out by blood relatives where they do this fake out at the beginning and they make you think someone's in terrible grave danger and they're just playing hide and seek or something. This was like that. That's happened now at the end. I've noticed that that happens in our later seasons of blood relatives, not so much in like season two and three. We get it more at five and six. So, so a new writer came in and decided to do that trope. Yeah, but it did sacrifice something else. I think we did a little bit of a switch off. Less creatures, some still weird imagery, but much less. We have no creepy dolls. No, not at all. There's some other strange stuff. There's some other very strange stuff. The one that I watched by mistake had a baby bird fetus in a test tube thing. It was very disturbing. No, thank you. Worse almost than the pig fetuses, which we've also seen. There has to be an ultimate episode with the main big bad of blood relatives is revealed and they have a lair where they have jars and jars, stacks on stacks on jars and jars of baby animals in formaldehyde. 
I may know that episode. You found? Uh, there's one episode that I've been saving that has jars. Okay. And so I don't know how many jars, but I remember it being several. One episode has jars on a police precinct's desk and they don't explain it. Jars of a bloody animal. Don't explain it. Well, because that's on a, it's on a need to know basis and you very clearly do not need to know. It's for a different case. Don't worry about it. So we cut to Teresa Rogers and Phil Rogers, husband and wife. Yes. And we cut to the obligatory kitchen scene where she's cutting onions and husband is sharpening knives, as you do. Teresa is a teacher's aide. We find out both are well-liked. They seem to be the perfect couple. She offers to cook him eggs and bacon in a shorty, short little robe. Color. Silky robe. Silky robe. What would you describe this color as? Because this is our color. Turquoise. Turquoise. Or teal. I thought very light teal. Miami blue. Sometimes it's a periwinkle. They just did the best they could with the blues in this episode. So they're kind of all over the place on the blue, light blue spectrum. But we're leaning teal. We're leaning towards that like Miami teal. In this case, yes. So she's wearing the shorty little robe. And we find out that Phil saw Teresa as a trophy wife. So she loves that. She plays up with that. She dresses very skimpily. And she reveals blue lingerie underneath her blue robe. And they start to make out on the kitchen counter. And she takes a thing of ice, an ice cube, out of a blue cup. And sure does sensually strokes his neck with the ice cube in an erotic sort of way, only to be interrupted by her son, Josh, who walks into the kitchen because this is a communal kitchen where children could be at any moment. And he walks in. He's like just graduated high school, so he's not really a child. He's not a child. No, he's not a child. But he's nonetheless super grossed out to see his mom and stepdad icing each other on the kitchen counter, which is a new sex act I just came up with. That's terrible, as it would be. I would not be pleased. No. So he recently graduated high school. He and his stepfather don't always see eye to eye, but they do share one obsession. And as Brenda is saying this, Teresa cracks an egg into a pan, and it is both yolky and bloody for some reason. What do you mean for some reason? It was truly disturbing. It, it was gross. It makes you think of baby bird fetuses. You're just stuck on it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It was a bloody egg. So she's cracking this egg as Brenda is saying they share this one obsession. And I was like, they share an obsession with bloody eggs? Is that what's happening? That can't be right. So it's not right. Turns out they're obsessed with this car, an old Monte Carlo don't know what that means. What color was this car, by the way? It was not blue. Should have been blue. Black? Navy blue? Maybe. Dark blue. Maybe it was like a midnight blue. It looked black to me. I don't know. I thought it was red. So who knows? It was not blue, the color of the week. It should have been. Red? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just picturing like, but I think I'm picturing one of those old time sedans with the wood paneling on the side. They show us the car. I don't know why I'm picturing. I know they show us the car. Yeah, but it just doesn't. I have car blindness. So I'm picturing something totally different. So you literally, they show us the car and you just go blind. (laughs) I can't see it. It's like, it's like face blindness. Like all I see is a blur. I can only see just a blurry shape. 
This is getting more severe. I know. I think we need to make a call. I know. We see the car like four or five times, too. A lot of times. It's a central point. It, I mean, it's literally the most important. I would n- never bet my life on what color it is. Yeah, not. Most important thing in the episode is the car. That's why it should have been teal, because it's the most important thing. They couldn't do it. They, blood relatives tried. They couldn't. Yeah, they can't paint an old Monte Carlo. So the, we get this one interviewee who's a family friend, I think. He says, it was a great car. I saddened a few times, and I was very impressed. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's the brother, John. Oh, that was the brother. Yes. So he's, we'll meet him later. He sat in it a few times, though, and he was very impressed. So He seemed jazzed by that. He seemed super jazzed, like he, almost like he's bragging that he was sat in that car. And it's very cute. I think car, car people are like, that's, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. We're not in that world. And it's not even like I drove it. I sat in it. I got to sit in it. And it was really sweet. I, I, I think it's cute. How expensive are those cars? I don't know. I feel like a fool. I don't know if it's the monetary value. It's more the age of the car and the prestige of the car. Something like that. Okay. Question mark. So Josh, the son, well, the stepson to Phil, they would work on the car together. And once it was done, it was promised to Josh by Phil. And they, Josh put a lot of work into that car. Mm Mm-hmm. We learn from Brenda that while Josh has motor oil running through his veins, his stepsister, Jessica, prefers to see the world from her camera lens. So we see her. She's in a red, dark room. And her photos are just odd, like shapes and things that I couldn't totally make out. One might have been fire. Unsure. I, I would like to know where they got the photos for this. Yeah, because they wasn't like they weren't disturbing enough to make me concerned about Jessica, but they also weren't cute f- like Anne Getty's photos. So I don't know what was happening. Well, no, that would make you concerned. Yeah. If they were Anne Getty's photos, that's when you're like, oh boy. Babies dressed as cabbage would make me concerned. Was it Uncle John that says she's very attractive? Something you'd see in a model magazine. <laughs> One of those famous model magazines. It is exactly Uncle John, because I wrote down, can he explain to me what a model magazine is? He knows what model magazines are the way I know what a Monte Carlo car is. So we can't judge him. Come on. He means like Vogue or something. He means fashion magazine. Yeah. I'm not going to give him that hard of a time. It is very funny because it is very dad lingo. It totally is. She's going to be in those model magazines. Yeah. (laughs) Shining like a bright copper penny. Yep. Pretty much. There we go. It was very cute. So she is Phil's daughter from a previous marriage. Josh is Teresa's child. And she's out of the house, right? She's out of the house. She surprises the family with a photo album of Josh's graduation in an album, not loose photos. Very impressed, Jessica. And they're flipping through the photos, and then Josh kind of takes the photo album away, like very awkwardly. Like maybe he was an embarrassed teenager, or maybe he didn't really graduate, and this was all a farce, and he didn't want them looking too closely at the photos. That's what I got from it. It was a very odd moment, because he seemed very like, come on, you guys, stop. And I'm like, don't don't look at the, yeah. You just graduated. This is What did you think was going to happen? Also, they're all in blue. All in blue, yeah. 
every picture, like the whole his graduation robe is blue. It's like a blue stravaganza. <laughs> it's a blue stravaganza. So J- Josh's reaction seemed a little odd. I think he was going for embarrassed teenager. Like, come on, guys. But it came off more like I faked my whole high school education (laughs) it came off as sinister it came off as i'm actually not a teenager it did it like i i hired actors to be the principal and to give me a diploma that's what i read it as (gasps) i faked the whole thing oh and that's totally not what happens but that's how i read it and i'm 39 yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we learned that Teresa always wanted a happy family like this but it's about to turn into a nightmare and we cut from Phil eating bacon to a sepia-toned dead pig from bacon to pig. And I think it's the same pig from before. I can't tell. I think it's the pig that was the outdoor lawn decoration in Arizona and on the Spitfire at the barbecue. So who owns this pig? Who owns it? I don't know, but they want it to be like the new talking trout, you know, the bass, the whatever, the the singing. Oh, yeah. Take me to the river. The singing yeah, fish. That guy. They want to make like a mint off this pig somehow. No one is buying this pig for their house. It's not going to catch fire. Hog heaven? <laughs> no. I'm trying to think like. What it would be called? Yeah. Then it would need like angel's wings. And a halo over it. Oh, yeah. And it sang, like it opens its mouth and harp music came out. And then you called it Hog Heaven. Yeah. I could actually see a demographic of people buying that. TM. Yep. No, I'm I'm sorry. I have to trademark that. Yeah. It's just enough of an idea that I yeah. feel like it could work. Yeah. I'm picturing Roseanne buying it for some reason. Roseanne Barr? Yeah. Strange. I'm thinking that it won't. None of my really good ideas are going to pan out. And the one that will Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. this one. So you've got to just trademark everything across the board. So like our legacy might be hog heaven. Hog heaven. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. I feel weird about it. Uh, Yeah, me neither. I'm sorry. But you know that that it might work out that way. I know. I feel like we are also overlooking the importance of the pig. So now we I mean, it can't be denied. I'm not overlooking. You are overlooking. No, I'm overlooking the fact that we're trying to save Chad. <laughs> I think that our we're on two different missions, but <laughs> we're doing the same thing. We're just on different paths. Okay. But I think the pig, they, the fact that it keeps showing up and we've seen pigs in jars, what does it mean? Why? Greed? What's a pig represent? I mean, they're very intelligent and emotionally intelligent creatures but that's probably they're going for more the sloth rolling around in mud ankle i don't know (laughs) to be honest i really don't know i don't either i'm gonna think about this but if any of our listeners are just really intuitive about this kind of stuff like a greedy pig let us know and some of the people want money yeah that's what i thought greed yeah everyone on the show wants money what I'd like to do is get a list of the episodes that the pig is in mm-hmm. and see if there's a connection. That's where we should start. Okay. That's where the red string wall starts is the pig in the center. Yeah. So the family is having a big Halloween party like they do every year. And we finally meet Teresa's brother, John, who has been interviewed with us. But now we see him 
at the party. He's dressed like a doctor. Not bad. Not a bad match, right? Actor and... No, it actually looks pretty close. Yeah. The actor and the person. Yeah. Not terrible at all, especially because of this episode. But I think John is a fantastic interview. I just want to say we don't always get like really super fun interviews, but he's one of the better ones, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And also, this is our first Halloween party, right? In Blood Relatives. There's one that I wanted to do, but I don't think we covered it. So this might be our first one. Yeah. Hey! So John is dressed like a doctor, and he's introduced very specifically. So he is going to be one of our key players. And again, he's Teresa's brother. And he makes some like dumb jokes like, we're going to break the camera if we have our picture taken. You know, kind of jovial and kind of dad jokes. And Phil is dressed like a fireman, I guess, with suspenders. And Josh, the son, is dressed like a race car driver. Daughter Jessica is dressed in jean overalls and a beret. I didn't see Jessica's outfit. I didn't think she was dressed up. (laughs) Exactly. Is she dressed up? Is she... Like, maybe she's dressed like an artist because she has a beret is she marcel marceau is she a mime does she have the paint no no hmm no just the beret and the overalls it's very strange anyways there's also a guy in a full rambo like ammo strapped across his chest like for a machine gun very disturbing it was alarming it was alarming and there's a cop who I did not think was important at all and didn't even write it down, later on becomes super important. Mm -hmm. And there's a psychic lighting candles and she has black lipstick, so you know she's goth. And we see her flipping tarot cards and she flips one that says fire and ice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. What are we supposed to, well, because of the ice cube callback? So the callback to the ice cube and Phil is dressed like a firefighter. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So Teresa comes out. Oh, my. She is dressed like a a naughty student, like Britney Spears in that video, but way more revealing. Baby, one more time. Yeah, but so much more revealing with the schoolgirl skirt and the white top and the glasses. And it's a little disturbing. I don't love the sexualizing of the young students, but it's... Nobody does. How old is she supposed to be? High school? No, I'm sorry. How old is Teresa supposed to be at this time? Oh, 40-something? I think there's a cutoff on that costume. <laughs> I'm just... I, I hate to say that. Like, you can do whatever you want, but that's... And she looks amazing. She's gorgeous. That She is specifically gorgeous, the actress is. It's an eye roll. That's it. A mom came out. Not that being a mom means you can't be sexy. No. But like if any woman came out in that, it's the eye roll you give when you're dressed up as like Pikachu and your friend comes out as a sexy nurse with the thong hanging out. And you're like, okay, I guess we're doing that. It's hard because I want to be body positive and be like pro whatever. And women should be allowed to wear whatever they want. And they absolutely should. It is their choice. But This feels different and like attention seeking. 100%. And like to please her husband. And it's kind of cringe. Who we're told likes her in the shortest shorts, the shortest skirts. He loved it when she dressed like that. We're literally told that. But she likes it too. She's like super into it too. Which is fine. I think that the issue with this costume is literally what the first thing you said, which is the 
sexualization of a minor. Right. Because when you're wearing this these clothes, you're not, you're under 18. Yeah. You're going to a school, yeah. right? So there you go. So she's doing like sexy dances for her husband. Meanwhile, her son Josh is there with his friends. So that makes it very uncomfortable. And the friends think that she's super hot. And one of them's like, I'd love to have her as a teacher. Because remember, again, she's a teacher. So she does work around students. I had forgotten that until they said it. And I believe she works around very young students because we saw some drawings that they had made, like, I love you, Miss Teresa type drawings. And they were done by like, seven-year-olds so i hope she doesn't dress like this at the school it's a whole thing but the drawings are a red herring remember we've had (laughs) issues with the drawings the last the last episode with the draw with the drawings so i was a hundred percent sure at this point and i'm wondering if you thought so too that she was going to have an affair with one of the the son's friends oh for sure the friends are like i'd love to have her as a teacher think she'd teach me biology (laughs) that kind of thing and josh comes over. He hates that his friends are leering at his mom. And we get an interview with one of the friends who looks just like the reenactment actor. And I was impressed by that casting as well. Yeah, that's true. But Katie, all of this talk about clothes has me thinking. Let's say you're encouraging your mom, who's a teacher, to not dress in this outfit and to wear some really cute, stylish clothes but also professional for her job as a teacher. Where could she go? A moment like this. <laughs> some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. If you're wondering why I would need to sing this song at this point, because we're about to talk about Poshmark. Finally. Okay. Poshmark is literally shopping at a department store, a designer store, in a friend's amazing closet, and the best resale store on the planet all in one. It's Mecca. I said it. I meant it's heaven. It's hog heaven. It is literally. You can get athleisure wear, yoga wear from brands like Lululemon, Nike, Allo. You can get comfy clothes from around the house, lounge wear from brands like Wild Fox and Free People. And for the designer lovers out there, there's a plethora of goods from luxury brands like Louis Vuitton, Chloe, Versace. I mean, you name it. And the cherry on top, It's up to 70% off retail prices. Oh my gosh. There are tons of lightly used or brand new items with tags attached on Poshmark. And shipping is so fast and the app is so easy to use. If you're new to Poshmark, you can go right now and use the referral code PRETTYUGLYLA and you get $10 off your first purchase. My Poshmark closet, PRETTYUGLYLA, is officially up and running, which means that you can literally come and shop in my closet. I'm in the process of a major closet overhaul, and I'm really happy if someone else can find joy from the things I used to love or things that just hung there neglected because I was too busy buying new items on Poshmark and I forgot about them. And it was so easy to list clothes from my closet. I just snapped a few photos of the items I was selling. I added the details, the size, and boom, easy peasy. I have always loved selling on Poshmark. I may not want that fringe jacket anymore because I'm moving out of my Stevie Nicks phase. (laughs) Sorry, who am I kidding? I am the white winged dove. But I know (laughs) that someone else may be entering that phase of their style evolution. And you practically get to shop for free in other people's closets with the money you made. So right now, listeners of A Date with Dateline can get $10 off their first purchase. Just enter the invite code PRETTYUGLYLA when you sign up and be sure to search for my closet 
Pretty Ugly LA. And if you're new to Poshmark, use invite code Pretty Ugly LA to get that $10 off. Come with me to the world of never ending racks of clothes online. Posh marks the spot of the start of your style journey. I love it. That's great. Are you so excited? She's been waiting for this day forever, guys. I'm so excited. I, I have so much to say and so little time. I know. <laughs> you guys, I buy so many things on Poshmark. Go check it out. It's going to be a whole new world. Yay. So Phil and Teresa go to sit down at the psychic's table to get a reading and a scorpion crawls across the cards. So maybe a scorpion is our creature of the week that we're getting way late. No, we get it at the beginning. We get it. It's the f- opening shot. Oh, one of those pre-shots. I don't count those. No, no. When they're opening on the thing and they say some of these, the names may have been changed, we see the scorpion. Yeah, I don't like those. I'm not taught. That's a pre-shot. That's like a flash. A, a, pre, a Prequel. Prequel. A foreshadow. I feel like it counts, though, because we don't always get the creature in that shot. I feel like we rarely get the creature in that shot. But I want to, but usually we see the creature, we're introduced to them in the actual episode episode with the actors fairly early. Oh, I feel like it was an afterthought because you know they added that in, in editing. They edited the scorpion into that prequel shot where they have to say, you know, some of the events have been changed or dramatized or whatever. So because they didn't put it in those opening shots, I think the scorpion was not easy to work with. I think he was difficult on set. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to my trailer. Something like that. Can't deal with this. I'm going to go shop on Poshmark. So we cut to another day and we don't really get to see what their reading was with the psychic, which I was kind of annoyed with. I guess it was the fire and ice card from earlier, from before they sat down at the psychic's table. I don't know. I'm proud of you for even thinking it was a real psychic because I literally thought it was somebody dressed as a fortune teller, quote unquote. Probably. But she's doing like readings. So and they show her a thousand times. Yeah, but it did take me way too long to put together the fire and ice that he was a firefighter and that she was doing the sexy time with the ice. And also she was stuck in his freezer with the ice. So Kimberly, I didn't even see the fire and ice card. So you were 10 steps before me. I also thought that the psychic was Teresa until Teresa comes out. <laughs> Until she came out. Yeah, I could see that. So, I mean, you were miles ab- above, so you're doing good. Okay, so one day, everything changes. One day, daughter Jessica drops by the house unannounced, and she lets herself in, and sh- no one's home. She kind of noses around. That's kind of... I don't... I have feelings. No. Kind of weird. So... There's a video camera sitting on the coffee table. Don't. And a bunch of tapes laid out. Don't. And why are they laying out? Why does Jessica pick up the video camera and start watching what's on the tapes? Don't. Everyone knows you hide your sex tapes in Master Bob's dungeon. So (laughs) and then we see the scorpion again and the blood. And we're like, who's in the tapes? We're seeing flashes of the tapes, which appear to be sex stuff with Teresa and a dude. And it's hard to tell who the dude is. So we're like, I don't think that's supposed to be Phil. But who is it? I need Brenda Strong to say it for me. But she's going to take her sweet time. So she takes us to commercial to build suspense. Then we come back. We see close-ups of framed family photos where one of them, Teresa's in light blue. Phil is in light blue, Jessica's in light blue, but son Josh, he's in black. Is that a clue? Also, 
who was on the tape. I want to say yes. Also, you can get a lot of, you can filter by color on Poshmark. <laughs> so just saying. Jessica is full on sitting down watching these tapes. Like, I'm surprised she didn't get popcorn out. And so she's, but she's watching in horror. She can't stop watching. Also, who is on the tape? Are you going to tell us? No. Who's on the tape? I thought it was going to be a friend. I thought it was going to be one of Josh's friends. 100%. Yeah, I was convinced. So finally, her dad, after she's watched the tape, it feels like for two hours, her dad, Phil, comes in and he says, I'm so embarrassed. I didn't. I'm sorry you had to see this. So then we finally learn from Brenda Strong that it is Teresa and someone who is not her husband, Phil, on the tapes, but it's with Phil's consent. And they have an open relationship, which always works out great on these shows. Here we go. Yes. Never ends in murder. Yeah. And Phil tells his daughter, Teresa made that tape for me. It was a gift. Next time, get him a tie from Poshmark. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, get him a Scorpions t-shirt. See, it fits in. Perfect. So apparently Phil would bring home guys for Teresa to sleep with, and she's super into it. Some of them are drivers. Some of them are customers. What's that mean? His meat customers. What's drivers? He works for this meat delivery company. So maybe other drivers and sometimes customers that he delivers the meat to, and then they deliver the meat to Teresa. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. No, you did it. You, you did so, it. And that was not pre-planned. That was a gross ad lib. So one of the guys that she is boning looks to be about 19. Boning? <laughs> and <laughs> That's a kind of meat. Okay. <laughs> if he looks super young. Like, I thought he was one of the friends. And he goes into a shower with Teresa, and they do the hands on the glass the steamy glass from titanic the titanic yeah oh god so you're here jessica tells her dad you would never have done this with mom and i wanted him to say that's why we got divorced kiddo she wouldn't do that but he said no this is what we're really into like i do it with like we're both really into it and she's like teresa's changed you and he stands up and he says this will not change a thing and points at her with the camera it's very odd did you notice how much dialogue we're getting in this episode so much dialogue yeah like a, it's a whole they had to do a whole different casting call sometimes the actors have nothing to say and teresa says all the, uh, sorry Brenda Strong says all of their words for them. But this time... This is also a later season change, I think. Interesting. We get more of them actually having lines. Uh, That might be a union thing, a contract thing with SAG. I don't know. So, like, they can afford to pay actors to have dialogue later on in the seasons. That's what I'm thinking. No, they couldn't because then it was canceled. Then it's done after... This is the second to last episode of Blood Relatives. Before it go went away forever. We don't really know. Before we think, well, we don't know if there's unaired episodes. <gasps> Chad. <laughs> so they're on a tape. They're on a camera and a stacks on stacks on stacks of videotapes unmarked. And we need to see what's on them. So 
The family gets together for a not-at-all-awkward family dinner and a nice restaurant to celebrate the fact that Josh, son Josh, is finally moving out and is finally going to get the car that he has been expecting and always wanting. Also, Teresa's brother John is there. And so I'm still thinking he's very important because they keep pointing him out specifically. So... Oh, okay. Again, Teresa, Jessica, Phil... And Josh are in blue. I first thought Josh was in white, but when we go outside later in that scene, it appeared to be a very light blue. So they're all in blue except for Uncle John, who's in red plaid. Red herring. I don't, but earlier Josh was in black. That was a black herring. Black sheep. Black sheep. (laughs) I can go all day. (laughs) I could do this forever. (laughs) This is the kind of symbolism I understand. Do this color theory. Yep. Also, I felt like that restaurant was way too nice to be wearing flannel. I didn't approve. They're in Florida, right? Yeah, they're in Florida. Now you're okay. Okay. So it should be Josh's day to celebrate, but Teresa upstages her son with an announcement of her own. She's not playing coy about her latest lover, Gary. So Gary comes to the table. Because Teresa has invited him to this dinner, and he says hi to Phil. Phil's like, hey. And then he says, hi, baby, to Teresa. No. Kisses her on the lips in front of her husband and family and says, baby, you look good. Now, I totally didn't realize that Gary was the one dressed as the policeman at the party because he's a nondescript white man. And also, I'd like to point out, in my opinion... The husband, Phil, is way hotter than Gary. And I don't know why she's sleeping with Gary. The husband looks like Vin Diesel, right? I mean, I don't know exactly what Vin Diesel looks like. I don't think you know what Vin Diesel looks like. But he's like a strapping workout yeah, dude is yeah. kind of what he looks like to me. Like a meathead. There we go. Juice head. Because meat juice head. Beefcake. 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 Because he's a meat delivery driver. Perfect. So then Gary decides to shake Josh's hand, like, no big deal. Like, hey, Josh. Josh is, gets up without shaking his hand. He does a bye, girl. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> Hair flip. What was the thing from the Vegas episode? I know who she is. Turn around. It was. That's exactly right. And like, Josh was like, I know who you are, Gary. Turn around. He gets up and walks away. And then Gary takes Josh's seat at Josh's dinner. Josh was at the head of the table because it was his celebratory night. And Josh, like, goes to the bar. I don't know. He can't drink. I don't know what's happening. Gary, no one wants you here. Why are you here, Gary? No. Well, Teresa does. Teresa and him are acting like lovebirds. Meanwhile, her brother, John, her stepdaughter, Jessica, and her husband, Phil, are just looking at each other. It's the most awkward, uncomfortable meal since Ari and Binyam and their exes on 90 Day Fiance last week. It's really terrible. It's terrible. Whose idea was it? Did he just show up or did she literally invite him? She invited him. She's like, everybody, I hope you know Gary. This is Gary. And she's making out with him at the table. So now the whole world knows about their secret life. And Phil is starting to feel like, Job, I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Why did Curb Your Enthusiasm music starts? Why did I do this? Apparently, he divorced his first wife for Teresa. And now he feels like Teresa might leave him for Gary because it feels like she has actual caught feelings for him instead of just 
X. Which is, again, confusing because Gary is, I don't know, his name is Gary, too. Your lover's name is Gary? His name is Gary. But also, I don't find Phil to be a super sexy name. But Gary, I don't know. I, there could be a cute Gary. Phil is a little harder, but Gary's not who I would choose if I was married to Phil. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. And maybe he's really funny. Maybe he's really funny. Maybe he's really sensual. And yeah, I don't know. So, but she still seems to like Phil, her husband, at the same time. So she just likes both of them. And this was their arrangement. So he and Gary, though, start fighting in the restaurant because he's like, Teresa, what are you doing? This is supposed to be our thing. And why is he here? And then Gary steps in and he's like, I'm talking to my wife. So they're yelling at each other. And Jessica is like, Dad, stop. This is supposed to be Josh's night. Don't you have a surprise for Josh, Dad? Let's go outside. So they get Josh and they go out to the parking lot and the Monte Carlo is there. And Josh starts caressing it and making love to it with his eyes. (laughs) I'm surprised he did not have an ice cube to stroke it. (laughs) He's super into this car. So Phil is about to give him the keys because he's been long promised this car. And then he looks at Teresa, who's making out with Gary in the parking lot. And he decides to punish Teresa's son for Teresa. And he says, you know what? I'm keeping it. Ooh, burn. And Josh flips out. He's like, I put everything into this car. I worked on it longer than you did. They're just arguing about it. And Phil says, you're just like your mother. You're entitled and selfish. And it's it's not a good scene. And then a scorpion sighting inside the restaurant, even though they're outside the restaurant, crawling next to some flaming shots. Shots, shots, shots. And someone's about to get shot, 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 shot. Also. Oh, my God. My God. Flaming shots. Fire. Oh, fire. There you go. Fire. So I think the fire and ice theme was supposed to be a lot more in this episode than it turned out to be. I think you're 100% right. Yeah. Are you impressed? I feel proud. Like, I feel pride rising inside me that I noticed. So you should. I'm on. I'm genuinely impressed. So. One week later, police get a call from 911 from the Rogers house. First responders come in and they see the house is in disarray. Furniture's knocked over. They go up to the bedroom. A hot EMT guy with the hugest fake mustache I've ever seen taking up half of his face goes into the bedroom. That is not a regulation mustache because I do not believe you can effectively do your job as an EMT if you have little hairs tickling up your nose and into your mouth. I think you'd be surprised. I guarantee you his boss is going to make him shave that a little. Just trim. But just out of jealousy. Yeah, he's like, I can't grow it that full and bushy. You got to keep it tight and right. So they find Phil all bloody in the bed. He's been shot in his head. That all rhymed, and I did not mean it to. I apologize. So it sounded like Dr. Seuss. I thought you did. I almost gave you credit for that. Okay. Yeah. So the police find on the floor, and I was surprised it was Phil, because I kind of thought Teresa was going to be the one that got murdered. Same. Yeah. Same. Me too. So police find on the floor a receipt for a gun from a store called Gun City. Just the receipt. That is so (laughs) dumb. I can't. It's really bad. It's so dumb. Why are criminals so dumb? Also, Gun City. Gun City. Is that 
I don't, I, I'm sure you don't know, but. I think that's a real store. Yeah. That's like what gun, I would think gun emporium. Gun world. I've heard gun world, maybe. Maybe gun county. Gun country. <laughs> gun municipality. Gun subdivision. Okay, good. We did it. <laughs> So it has the serial number on it. They're able to look it up in the system, I guess, and see that the gun was bought by Phil. So it's Phil's own gun, but they can't find the gun. It's not there. Then a scorpion crawls across the love note from the beginning that is now covered with fresh blood over the pig. Because remember, it was covered in pig's blood. Yes, I remember. Yet he kept that love note and put it by the bed even though it was covered with pig's blood, and now it's covered with his fresh blood. Why did he keep it? At least laminated or something, if it's covered with pig's blood. Anyways. I think it's just symbology. Symb- I think it's just, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. the person who called 911 is Teresa's brother, John, who has been interviewed this whole time, who's been delightful and said Model Magazine. So the police are suspicious of him right away for some odd reason, and they handcuff him at the scene in the reenactment, which I do not believe happened at all because he called 911 and was being very cooperative. No, he says that he was a suspect right away. He said they, they were acting him like a suspect. Oh, but you don't think he was handcuffed? I don't think he was handcuffed. And okay. all right. he explained that earlier in the day, Teresa had checked herself into the hospital for bad stomach problems. She was getting a colonoscopy and she called her brother, John, from the hospital and said, I can't get a hold of Phil. Will you call him and or no, will you go to the house and check on him and make sure everything's okay?" So he went to the house and found Phil dead. He saw his blood everywhere. And then he tells the police he thought he had an aneurysm. Okay. Oh, he didn't know. Come on. He don't know. And then they ask him, like, have you shot a gun recently? They're looking through his car. They're grilling him. And he tells us it was kind of weird. I was kind of scared, which I would be, too, John. We all would be. Yeah, I would be, too. And we don't know also if John has had some run-ins in the past. Right. We don't know his history. So we do know he wears flannel to a nice restaurant. That's all we know. So investigators sit at these just a guy. sit at these little desks, one in front of the other, like students in a classroom, which was so weird to me. Why would their desks not face each other and pushed up against each other? So I don't know. They struggled in the police department in this episode. They're tiny little desks too. <laughs> like there was some set trouble. Yeah, it was not our usual precinct. I think their location maybe got moved or some does that sort of what it seems like yes. to you. Yeah. So they find out that Phil has changed the beneficiary on his life insurance to Jessica, and it is $700,000. A lot of money. That's a ton of money. And then we see Jessica zooming towards the camera in this dramatic special effect. It's very like The Shining almost, like where the background is moving, but the person's standing still. What's that called? But it gives the effect that they're zooming in towards the camera. It's a very weird effect. So, but very effective. So police go to see Jessica and she's in her red dark room and she with these weird imagery photos that you can't really tell what they are. One of them looks like a model from a model magazine. 
So they open the door and she's like, what are you doing? Because they ruin all the photos probably. Could have been evidence. We don't know what she was developing. What if she had evidence on that camera and now it's gone forever? Good job, cops. Always knock on a darkroom door. So she says she didn't know about the life insurance. And she tells them, you should be looking at Gary, my stepmom's lover. And apparently Teresa had been saying that she was going to move out and leave Phil and move in with her swinging boyfriend, Gary. And if that's true, she's going to need a good suitcase. Now, I feel like she wears kind of skimpy clothing and she lives in Florida. So her clothing is smaller, not as many bulky coats. What size suitcase do you think she could get away with, Katie? I would say she could maybe just get away with a regular carry-on from away, but I prefer the carry-on plus mm. because of all its amazing features and the way it like packs everything perfectly in. That's right. We are talking about Away suitcases, some of the best travel accessories in the world, in my opinion. Away is a modern lifestyle brand that creates thoughtful products for every traveler and every kind of trip you may want to take. They start with the perfect suitcase. It's crafted with features that make travel infinitely more seamless. And now when travel looks a little bit different than ever before, you can count on Away's range of suitcases, bags, and accessories whenever you take that next trip. As Kimberly and I plan our Vegas extravaganza, which we will be planning for the next six months or so, so get prepared to hear about it more and more. I am confident that we will be arriving in style and having easily packed everything we could need on Earth in our away suitcases. I'm going to be wheeling in with those wheels that all work on like my janky suitcase now. Oh, you're going to be wheeling in on 360 wheels. Oh, boy. Life's about to change for you. But no matter your destination or style, Away suitcases, bags, and accessories all come in a variety of color sizes and materials to suit your needs and inspire your future travels. I have the Carry On Plus in white. I know it's shocking, but I have my eye on the Hybrid Carry On Plus. Ooh. It's super sleek and streamlined, and I love it. And they have it in this like champagne color. It's beautiful. All of Away suitcases are designed to last a lifetime with durable exteriors. Remember, my bag is white and it still looks brand new. So even if someone's throwing it around, I'm able to clean it. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system that includes built-in compression pad to help you pack more in, which is key for me because of my shopping problem, and a hidden and removable laundry bag that separates your dirty clothes, which I have used every single time I've used the suitcase. Away's products are designed to last a lifetime. If any part of your suitcase breaks, Away's standout customer service team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced. And there's a 100-day trial on everything that Away makes. You can take the product out on a road test, live with it, travel with it, get lost with it, decide it's not for you. You can return any non-personalized item for a full refund during that 100 days. That's so good. No ifs, ands, or asterisks about it. Also, they have free shipping and returns to any order within the contiguous United States, UK, Europe, and Canada. So what are you waiting for? Start your 100-day trial right now and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials. They are beautiful and like such incredible pieces to travel with at awaytravel.com slash date dateline. That's awaytravel.com slash date dateline for all your travel needs. Let's get away. Take me away. A secret place. A secret place. <laughs> Thank you so much, Away. Check them out, guys. Thank you, Away. 
So Teresa is going away to <laughs> live with Gary, maybe. And so police go to see Gary and his behavior throws up some red flags. He kind of is shifty about his and Teresa's relationship. He just says they're friends at first. And the police are like, Gary. dude, literally everyone in town knows that you guys are boning, maybe with ice cubes and or fire play. We don't know what's happening. But we all saw what happened at the restaurant. So he says, okay, we were swinging, but then I fell in love with her. So now we're in love. And we see flashback of them taking a bubble bath together. I can't. A very sensual, pretty woman style bubble bath with candles. No. No, that's not a pretty woman style bubble bath. He doesn't get in the tub. Yes, he does. Richard Gere gets in the tub. You're thinking of the scene. You're thinking of the scene where she sings. There's another scene that's sensuous. Caps. I just don't want to see it. All I can think of is Elaine from Seinfeld when she hates the English patient and she's like, sex in a tub. That doesn't work. She just keeps screaming it at people. <laughs> so he's whispering to her. I have some really good news. I talked to my wife. She's out of there. She's ready to move on. Wow. Oh, you're such a romantic great guy, Gary. Yeah, you're such a sweet talker. And Teresa says, well, I talked to Phil and he's going to need more time. (laughs) And then we meet a family friend who says that he was totally not going to give her a divorce. So she was really stuck. So then Teresa starts saying things to Gary like, my life would be so much better without Phil. And Gary's saying things like, well, if Phil doesn't get it, we're going to make him get it. He'll come around. I'm going to make sure of it. Uh, ominous. Gary, I just don't buy it from Gary. I just don't buy it. So he tells the police, I would never kill Phil. I'm shocked that you would even think that, even though we just had this flashback where you basically were threatening him. Oh, what? Because of the tub conversation? No. What? You mean because we were just... No. She misunderstood. Pretty woman. And so he says, it's Josh. It's the stepson, Josh. He's so mad about the car. You need to look at him. So Gary tells the police that he overheard Josh and his friends complaining about the car situation. And it's the two friends, Curtis and Justin, who were leering at Teresa at the Halloween party. And Josh is playing with a little knife in this whole scene. And he says, I hate him. I could kill him. Curtis, who's being interviewed on the show, and he looks just like the reenactment guy, he is says, I wanted no part of it, but I thought he was joking. The first he says, I thought he was joking. He says, come on, man, get the heck out of here. You know, like he was not serious. And Gary walks up to the guys. Hey, guys. Like, and Josh says, hi, Gary. My mom is in the house if you want a boner. And Gary says, Don't. He doesn't say that. I know where your mom is. And like walks away. Like it's very macho machismo. I'm, it's really weird. So it's very odd. Police go to the hospital and they see Teresa. And they said she was being overly dramatic. Everybody loved Phil. Nobody would hurt him. He was such a great guy. Wiping away fake tears. There are no tears. She has an alibi, though. She was in the hospital getting this colonoscopy, excruciating stomach pains. Police think she might have been faking the stomach pains. They're not sure. So they say, what about your son? Where was he the the day of the murder? And she says, Josh had nothing to do with this. Josh and Phil had a great relationship. Everybody loved Phil, which is exactly what she said 30 seconds ago. She repeats her line. Oh, brother. She's really not good at this. And... 
he was a beautiful man. <laughs> like, again, dabbing away the no tears with the Kleenex. So the police say she kind of tried to throw Gary under the bus, but really couldn't provide any idea about who would do this. So now we're seeing the those creepy shining shots where the person's not moving, but the background's moving of all of the suspects. And they're all wearing periwinkle or some kind of blue with their faces moving towards the camera. Now, the detective says it was a real whodunit. Was it Jessica, Josh, John, Gary, or Teresa? Or the Scorpion? Come on. Who do you think it was at this point? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. So. Just shut down that question. Never mind. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had watched this one before, like several months ago. So that's why I can't really remember. I gotcha. Okay. Who did you think it was? Honestly, I thought it was Teresa and Gary. Teresa and Gary. Okay. Yeah. I could totally see that. Police go to the gun serial number. They're like going back to basics. And they type in the serial number, which is on the receipt. Oh, it's so dumb. From when it was bought at gun municipality. And it was registered to Phil, who was killed. But it was pinged by Curtis. So what happened was Curtis... The friend who wanted no part of this, but thought Teresa was really hot. He had the gun in his possession a week before the murder. They find this out because he had been pulled over or something. And the police had seen that he had saw that he had a gun. And so they entered it into the system. They logged that the gun was with Curtis a week before the murder. This is a confusing part, but I think that's what happened. Before the murder had occurred, he had he had been logged as having the gun in his car he was sort of logged yes with the gun so they bring in curtis and he's like that's not my gun i i got pulled into this whole thing i don't know why he's southern but he kind of was because he's from florida yeah yeah but the police decor the interrogation room are you gonna talk about what was on the desk no what was on the desk a snow globe globe. i needed you to see it I didn't see it. I don't know why it's there. So the first item we have on the desk is a blue car, like a race car, like a little car. <gasps> is that supposed to be the Monte Carlo? And it was on one of the cops' desk. It's supposed to be the Monte Carlo. That's when they're interviewing Gary. And when they're interviewing him, too, there are these two vertical fluorescent tubes that's their lighting in the scene. Yeah. It's very clearly not a police station or an interrogation room. I don't know where they are, but they tried very hard. It's very strange. It's really odd. And then now we have a snow globe out of nowhere. The car's gone. Snow globe's on the table. And it looks like there's a penguin inside. Ice. Ice. Because of the frozen dead animals and the sex ice and the fire and ice. And the hot and cold of their relationship. Yeah. So Curtis says, I got pulled into this by Justin and Josh. Josh was mad at his stepdad about the car. And so he and Justin were plotting this murder. They had a map of the house and of the woods nearby. And and Josh keeps like stabbing the map with a knife very dramatically. And Curtis said, I'm out. I don't want any part of this. And he tries to leave. But Teresa, the mom, comes up. She's like, hey, Curtis, I saw you looking at me at that Halloween party. When you were dressed as Rambo, or he wasn't dressed as Rambo. No. Okay. No, he wasn't dressed as Rambo. So I think he was dressed as a chef or something. I don't know. He's something innocent. 
He was a chef. He was a chef. They were really disparate. It was like Rambo and a chef. Nothing in between. No, but they're best friends. So she's like, please don't go. I know this is a lot, but, you know, Phil is not a good guy. He has a gun. So maybe it's in the house. I'm scared. And he, she's like caressing his hand. And he's he's like loves Teresa. So he's she's like, can you just come by and get the gun? Because for some reason she can't get the gun. I don't I just can't have it in the house. I just can't have it in the house. So could you are they not at the house when this conversation's taking place? They're at the house in the backyard. So I don't know why they can't get it now. And so that's a little maybe because Phil was inside. I don't know. It's very strange. So we'll never know. We're going to set up a time for you to go and get the gun and rubs his hands some more. Not with ice, just with her hands. So he goes into the house at some point, gets the gun, and gives it to Teresa. And this was before Phil was killed. So that was his part in it. And then he had no part after that. That's his story. He just took the gun back to her. That was it. Just gave it, took it from Phil's house, gave it to Teresa. It's also her house. I don't know. Are there two houses here? And we're just not being told that there are two houses? No. I mean, we did hear that maybe she was going to move out and move in with Gary, but I don't think that had happened yet. I don't think that's... Because she's at the house. She's in their backyard when they're planning this murder. Maybe he gave it back when he got pulled over because it freaked him out. Who? Curtis? Curtis? Yeah. Well, no, he was... The plan was he was supposed to give it to her. He was supposed to give it to her, but we don't know why she couldn't get it herself. So, oh, that's really confusing. Okay, I don't. And he just got caught with the gun in betwixt getting the gun and giving it to Teresa. So just really bad luck. Really bad luck. He was maybe driving poorly or his had a missing light on his car or something. So they bring in Josh and they say, Curtis told us everything. And they show him this written statement from Curtis, which is on like three hole punch paper, like a school essay. It's the one in the spiral notebook that you like rip out. Yeah. No, it's not. But like a school essay written in blue pen. It was it's and it's literally a paragraph. What I did this summer. It is. It was <laughs> so weird. Like, wouldn't it be typed up or maybe written on some form with like, you would think there would be a form with where you'd write your own. On a form, yes. Thing, yeah. And people might be laughing at us right now. Maybe that's how they do it. Maybe they bring in binder paper and are like. A ream of binder paper. (laughs) I don't know. So Josh says, Josh caves pretty quickly when he sees the statement from Curtis. He says, I hated him. I hated Phil. He promised me that car. I knew every inch of that car. What did I say? He wanted to have sex with that car. What did I say? He says, I knew every inch of that car. That car was mine. And in front of everybody at the restaurant, he embarrassed me and he took it away from me. Again, the car really should be blue because this is the seminal, critical, this car represents everything. Again, it's a budget. It's a budgetary constraint. I mean, I wish they had been able to find a month. And you have to have a Monte Carlo because then people will freak out if it's not the right kind of car. Wait. That's true. This guy was not a bad actor, right? Yeah, he was okay. Yeah. I thought he was okay. The bigger question I have is tell me what you could, if you could see what his necklace was. Oh, it was a weird, maybe it was a scorpion. Was it a flame or a scorpion? It was something like that. 
It's it was something like that. Either a, it was either a flame or a scorpion. I'm gonna say, yeah, interesting. He's wearing a plaid shirt now. So first we had him in black when everyone was in blue. Then we had Uncle John in plaid when everyone else was in blue. Now we have him, Josh, in plaid. It's very strange. What are you telling us with these colors? Well, the cops are in blue. The co- and the cops are in blue. So they can't have all three sitting there in blue, except, yes, they absolutely can, because this is blood relative. So I don't know why you're pretending like we can't, but we, we can. Yeah. So he tells them, it was my mom. It was Teresa. She got all of us involved, and I got my friend Justin involved. And she is sitting down with them, and she says, you guys, you can do it. I know you can do it. You can do this for me. and. She manipulates them and she tells them that they are going to get some of the insurance money. She'll pay them because I it appears that she does not know that Phil has changed his life insurance. He didn't tell her, which is a date with Dateline. Number one piece of information advice that I can give someone not to get murdered. If you change your policy, tell everyone, you know, because she had no reason to kill him. She wasn't getting any money anymore. And she did it basically for money. It wasn't because she wanted to be with... I don't think so. Well, no, he wouldn't also give her a divorce. He wouldn't give her a divorce. I don't think she cared that much about Gary, even though they had bathtub times, because she kind of tried to throw him under the bus, the police said. So they're sitting there planning this, and she goes, okay, let's do it. And she takes the top off a mason jar, because she's a hipster that has been brewing some kombucha, but it's like poison kombucha or something. And she drinks it and it puts her in the hospital with the horrible stomach pains that can't be diagnosed. So they're going to put her under and do a colonoscopy. And we don't really know what was in that. You seen that Billie Eilish video? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't for when the party's over? No. Go watch it after this. Okay. That's what I thought. Was she dr- I was like, don't drink that drink. Don't drink that drink. Yeah. I, what's in the drink? Why don't they tell us? Why don't they just tell us? It was rat poison. It was antifreeze. It was t- this. It was that. Yeah, they don't really tell us. So I guess because we watch enough Dateline, we can use our imagination to think what it was. I don't know. Also, the son is totally chill while she's drinking whatever this is. He's just sort of watching her, and she doesn't gag or anything. I'm very curious. I just would like to know. What was it? Arsenic? What was it? A small dose of something. Is arsenic wet, or is arsenic a powder? Well, but you could put it into liquid, right? Good point. Fair point. <laughs> if it's if it's powder, you can put it into liquid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even have any excuse for myself. I don't have any excuse for myself. I'm like looking around like, is there anything else I can blame here? Nothing. No one to blame. Literally, do you know what I've been doing this whole episode? Putting powder from this little packet and mixing it with liquid to make a paint. (laughs) This is powder. I've been doing it this whole time. I think we have to like, we have to call someone can't be it's not tolerable it's not it's intolerable oh my god i need to start over do over eternal sunshine the spotless mind i have to wipe it and go again try again all right so josh apparently sneaks justin into the house and 
Teresa had told Phil to take sleeping pills. So Phil is knocked out in the bedroom. Explain. For no reason. I Like he was going to fight them off with it. They have a gun. I don't know. No, I'm sorry. Why? What time? First of all, what time of day is this? I thought it was like two o'clock. It seems like t- afternoon, but apparently Teresa told him, take your pills at two o'clock so you can have a nap or something. So it's broad daylight. But also, he just does what she says. He's like, she's like, take your pills. And she's not there. He just does it because absolutely. She's at the hospital. Yeah. Maybe he was up all night with her at the hospital and like needed to because she was sick. And then when he left her at the hospital, went to go home. She's like, take your pills when you get home so you can sleep and get get some sleepy times. Is Josh living there at the house during this time? No, Josh moved out when they had that restaurant party. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I'm trying to figure out why he would be upset if just Josh was just at the house. I don't know. I don't think he would be upset. I'm going to say this. This whole thing that you're about to describe right now is about 5,000 times more elaborate than it needed to be. It's so confusing. It's so confusing. I don't know why Justin even needs to be there. Thank you so much. I was, that's this other page of notes. It's like, why is Justin there? Why did the friend need to come? No need. Because you think Justin's going to be the one that's going to do the shooting, and that's why he's there. No. He's there just to mess up the house? Because remember, the house was messed up. They knocked over some furniture. Josh could have done that. So Josh sneaks Justin into the house, and Josh is the one who shoots his stepdad, Phil, in the head. Justin is just standing there watching, somehow has blood spatter on his neck, even though he's standing like 12 feet away from the body. And it's odd. And then he's like, come on, man. Come on, we got to go. That's literally Justin's part. That's all. He just was to encourage Josh to get moving after get a giddy up on after the shooting that was his job because what josh has adhd and like is not focused and it's like oh no i gotta do this and this and this and this first Uh, no why is why are you there justin why are you there so they run maybe just to keep him company just sometimes it's nice to have help so they run to the woods it better not be i mean it does seem like he was just there for moral support at this point so he they run to the woods They take off their clothes by a fire that they set in the woods. Where are the woods? (laughs) Well, the woods they had drawn on that map that they had, like some sort of woods nearby. So, Okay. Why did they need a map of the house? Yeah. Why did they need a map to where Josh lives? Like they are in the backyard planning this. And so they're like, this is the map to the house for which we are sitting in the backyard of this house. And this is the floor plan of the house that we could just go into right now. And they're like circling and pointing. It's literally like they're looking at the underground tunnels of Paris and are like trying to. It's your house, man. You're sitting outside it. You could, you know where the bedroom is. All your friends have been in that house many times, ogling your mom. They know where the bedroom is. They know where everything is. Also, it's the most unelaborate murder. He was literally shot once in the back of the head while he was asleep. That's it. Yeah. I don't know why it's so complicated. So they are in the woods. They strip off their clothes because we got to have some boys without shirts on, on blood relatives. And then they burn their clothes and then they throw their gun in the river, some river. We don't know details. So Teresa is arrested 
And we finally see her mugshot, the real Teresa. Kimberly. They're not even trying. They're not. I mean, they have to have. It's Hollywood. They got to have hot people. Whence the real people were not hot. This woman who's playing this part is maybe one of the most attractive reenactment actors we've had so far. She looks like blonde genie triple horn. Like she's really pretty. Yes, she's beautiful. Yeah. Real Teresa was not. She doesn't look anything like her. No. She gets 40 years and she pleads guilty, does the deal, gets 40 years. Josh, who is bald and looks also 40, who doesn't look anything like the son, he gets 20 years. And then Justin, who played no part, but just stood there and got blood spatter on him, gets 25 years. I need I need to know. He just didn't have as good of a lawyer, I guess. I need to know what happened here. Because he literally did nothing but maybe knock over an ottoman. And that's it. He threw helped throw the gun. Yeah. He gets five more years than the person who pulled the trigger. So we're not getting the full story here. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know. That it's fair or he had a horrible lawyer. It's very strange. Do you think it's possible that Josh's, that they all said it was Justin? He, that Josh and his mom both turned on Justin in trial? No, I think Josh confessed that he's the one who shot him. It doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of sense? Any sense. It makes absolutely no sense for Justin to get more. I was confused why Justin was there anyways, and now I'm even more confused because he got more time than the person who did the murder. Right. He did nothing. He could have just not been there and his would have changed his entire life trajectory and he didn't even help. So why were you there? Curtis, the friend Curtis, he is charged with conspiracy to commit second degree murder because he had overheard the murder plans happening and then had gotten the gun and he knew what the gun was for, kind of. So he gets two years of house arrest. And 10 years of probation, but he says he's lucky. So that he didn't have to do any time in jail. He's lucky. Uncle John, Gary, and Jessica were all red herrings, all innocent. Just a little surprised. A little surprised. So I don't know. I feel like at least one of them had something to do with it. No, I don't think so. I think John is a good guy. Yeah, I'm more thinking Gary. So, oh, yeah, I think Gary's just dumb is what we're kind of led to believe, right? He's just kind of a lovesick dope. Yeah. So Uncle John says he feels bad for the family and that's sad that it happened. And it's something you ponder about. (laughs) Something you ponder on. I liked him. Yeah. Uncle Uncle John. And this one family friend or relative saying we would used to take these family portraits and now we can't do it anymore. And we see the family portrait with all of them in blue, except Josh is in black. And it's not the real family. It's the reenactment family. Yes. Right. So we never get to see their real family portrait. No, no. So Brenda tells us, unfortunately for the Rogers clan, their family photos will have three fewer faces going forward. And that's how we end. No scorpion, no fire, no ice cube. There, and I thought when she said that, the three faces of Phil and Teresa and Josh were going to like fade away like back to the future. Oh, interesting. And then 
it would just be Jessica standing there. But they didn't do that. Again, that costs money. Are they out of money? Yeah, that, that costs a lot of money. Are they out? They're out. No, they're tapped. It's the end, end of the of season. season. They are tapped. Yeah. They did the best they could. I still thought it was a very good episode. It was a really good episode. I just really need to know what, what actually happened. That's all. With Justin, you mean? With the entire murder. With it being this planning and she's going to go, why are you going to the hospital? Why don't you just go out of town for a day? Just go shopping and be seen on video camera buying leggings. That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do. Instead, you sent yourself legging shopping, save your receipt and make sure there's a camera in the store. That's it. Instead, you sent yourself to the hospital. Right. Did maybe permanent damage to your liver and kidneys. Okay, so do these people just like... And you had to be put under and you had to get a colonoscopy. No one voluntarily gives themselves a colonoscopy. Regardless of if you're killing your husband or not. I. So do you think that they're just not that smart? Yeah, I do. That they watch a lot of TV and a lot of, more importantly, action movies, maybe starring Vin Diesel, that like lead them to believe that these plots have to be incredibly complicated so they over complicated it yeah i think that's totally it yeah i'm gonna look this up and i'm gonna find out all this stuff about justin and i'm gonna be upset (laughs) i hope justin is no i don't care about justin i care about curtis i'm glad curtis seems to be okay i hope curtis did what he said which is get up and be like no i'm out i'm out i i don't know if that happened but that's okay I feel like he did. He tried to walk away, but then Teresa came up with rubbing his hands and little Curtis started doing the talking for big Curtis. And that's why he agreed to get the gun. It was little Curtis who got the gun. I'm going to be sick. (laughs) And you said it again. (laughs) Little Curtis. Kimberly. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Ladies, be your own little Curtis. No. (laughs) Oh, Gross. Ladies, be your own ice cube. Yeah. <laughs> this is this was quite a this was quite a story though. And I'm glad it was you because there was a lot of like bathtub. Be your own bathtub. <laughs> be your own bathtub. There, there, there was go. a lot of sexy times that I could <laughs> be dealing with. So thank you. That was a wonderful You're welcome. Thank you for sen- for picking this episode. Thank you guys. Thank you for continuing to enjoy Blood Relatives. Send us any of your theories, please. That's that's all I got. You know what? Be your own blood relative. There you go. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.